once you find somebody, you know what you're doing, you find a deal, you find somebody you can trust that, that has a deal, you're knowledgeable about it, go for it. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam, AAA Adams. And today I have a special guest, Dr. Jeff Anzalone, and who is a practicing periodontist in the great state of Louisiana. He is actually an author and the founder of something called DebtFreeDoctor.com. Go find this. It's DebtFreeDR.com. And that is going to be a blog where he teaches you how to be able to get out of the rat race. Now, here's the thing. He spent, he was in debt 300 grand, 300K. I'm not saying that wrong uh, because it costs a few dollars to go through school to become a doctor. Just what how it happens, right? So uh, what he found out is that once he, was able to finally pay that off. He became a millionaire before the age of by the age of 40 and now he's focusing because of his passion in uh, understanding that when you're a doctor, sure you're making great money, but you're trading your time for dollars. So he's showing other doctors how they can invest in real estate to start developing passive income. So they place their capital somewhere and actually start getting cash flow. So that's what he's passionate about. That's what he's going to help you with today. Welcome to the show, Dr. Jeff Anzalone. Thank you, sir. It's it's an honor to be on your uh, podcast for sure. So thank you for having me on with you. Yeah, thank you for coming on. And Louisiana, I'm excited about Louisiana because I'll be in NOLA here coming up for the Jazz Fest. Okay, so my awesome. sweetheart and I, we try to go out to Jazz Fest once a year. Sometimes okay. we've we've missed it last year, unfortunately. But we're trying to go every year. We love Jazz, Jazz Fest. There's tons of concerts. They always put cool people on. So, so Louisiana has a soft spot in my heart that way. Not only that, but when I tended bar, I was, a, I was one of those like craft bartenders. Uh, most people don't know about us. We, we fresh squeeze the juice. We create our own syrups, all that random stuff, right? Uh, we actually, I used to hand pick the fruit uh, from the tree with a ladder, and I'd, I would get gallons of this stuff just to make – uh, what was it called? Can candle some some type of lime? These special limes that really grow in the Philippines usually, but they had some in Florida. Anyway, when I was a, one of these craft bartenders, there was this there was this event out in New Orleans, Louisiana, and um, and so I remember going there every single year to get with the best bartenders from around the world. They would fly in to Louisiana from many, many countries. Uh, so it was kind of fun. Uh, so I got a soft spot for those two <laughs> reasons. So have you lived there all your life? I, I've, I've lived in Louisiana my whole life. I actually did my training down there. I lived there in New Orleans for seven years. Okay. So um, yeah, it has a, a good soft spot in our heart too, because we spent so much time, you know, down there. But fortunately- What, what part are you in? What I'm in Monroe, of, which is the northeast part of the state. Northeast. Up so, by Arkansas. So no floods out there. 
no floods in your part of the town. Oh, oh, we get floods. We, oh, okay. We we sort of avoid the hurricanes okay. uh, a little bit. We kind of get the the tail end of them, I guess. But um, luckily, we were able to move out of New Orleans two months before Hurricane Katrina hit. Oh, I finished boy. my training, so man, I I got lucky. But actually, they if I would have been there, they moved the program that I was in to Denver for, oh. for yeah for two years while they rebuilt the school and everything. So I, um, yeah, I almost was a Colorado person there for a while. That would have been cool. All right. Well, my first question for you, Jeff, were you actually in debt for 300,000 in student loan debt? Yeah, it it was very close to, to that. And that was all from, that was no undergrad debt. That was all dental school. And then my uh, surgical residency had to take out loans in that. So, uh, yeah, it's, and actually now it's it's a lot more for the average person getting out, especially people that go to private medical or dental schools. Uh, it's you know I hear some some people pushing a million bucks, which is wow, just crazy. So let me I want to find out what's the big problem like with with that million dollars. Um, people that are graduating nowadays, and they might be close to a million bucks in 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 student loan debt automatically, like. What's happening with doctors and dentists that are getting out of school? Like, are they just going crazy trying to do this? Do they quit it? Do they stop paying on it? Or are they all able to just easily pay it off and become millionaires by the time they're 40? I think it's getting a lot harder now because the way the system's going. So instead of, you know, in my situation, I was always wanting to join a group practice here, but only two weeks before I graduated, they pulled the deal out from under me. So I had all this debt, had a two month old, we had already bought a house, paying interest only on it. And mm-hmm. I had to figure out how to start a practice from scratch. And the, the, the days of doing that are, you know, pretty slim because it's just so expensive to do that. Plus have all the student loan burden. and so what's happening is they're graduating now and they're joining these, these companies, you know, that, that pay them a salary and, and that's and not anywhere near what it used to be, which, which you could have made as a solo practitioner. So they have all this debt with not making as much as, as they could have been if they'd have started their own business. And, uh, and you also have to remember, we all start way behind the eight ball. You know, we start much later in life, you know, in our thirties working. Versus, you know, people that get right out of college, they may have 10 years jump on us. So that hurts a lot too. You know, as far as investing in compound interest, we'll, we just lose out on all that. Hmm. You know, there, uh, if I remember correctly, which I totally might be wrong, and, and so I want to make sure um, that you keep me on track here. Um, I listened to an episode with you and Joe Fairless around the time that you and I connected. I just wanted to hear it before I pulled you onto our show. And I could be mixing you up with somebody, but I just want to clarify. Um, are you one of the, those people out there that, that believes in having no debt, like even on your house? Is that, is that true or am I thinking of someone else? That I, I, was, I was and I still am a big Dave Ramsey follower. Yes, um, it was you. Yeah, okay. It was me. Okay, perfect, perfect. Because this was months ago that I that I was listening to this, and I get a lot of people on the podcast. So 
proud of myself that I remember that. Okay, so you're a Dave Ram- Ramsey follower. You believe in having no debt. So let me ask you this, which I think might be a similar question to a question that um, Joe asked you. Do you remember what episode that was? I think you were on there a couple of times. This one was like episode 1300 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was like 12 or 1300. Yeah, okay. Think. All right, so one of the questions that he asked was, or I think that he asked, was something around the effect of if someone's getting out of dental school right now, they're going to be a periodontist, they're going to be a foot doctor, whatever, and um, they, they, they hop out of school and they've got a couple of options. Let's say, let's say they're making 150 a year, something like that. And they have one option is I could technically pay off my house in 10 years if I wanted to. I could technically pay off my uh, student debt in a few years if I wanted to. Or the third option would be that student loan debt is only at 3, 4, 5, 6%. My house is only at 3, 4, 5, 6%. But I could potentially be making 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19% with my money if I placed it in to a syndication, for instance, like someone's syndication. In your opinion, should they, because of compound interest and how strong it really truly is, should they start getting their money as quickly as possible into passive investments that are increasing faster than their debt would have pulled them back? Or should they get out of debt first and then start getting? Because the math would tell me, like, that if you go into the thing that pays you back faster, that ultimately you're going to be in a better position faster, but you might be thinking mentally a little bit stress. You might be stressed being like, Oh, I do have a lot of debt. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? Pay it all off as fast as you can, then do it or get into the thing that really makes a, a difference and then pay off your debt slowly with that money. That is a really good question. And I've actually tossed it around my head, you know, a few times, but you have to realize my mindset back then, 15 years ago, I had no idea about any of this passive investing syndications. You know, I was the only thing I knew about was stock market, you know, index funds or mutual funds. And and I think in my situation, the way that it was handled, cause I, I had all this debt, but I never really thought too much about it because, Hey, I'm going to be going into a practice. I'm going to make decent money. I'm going to be able to pay it all. And then to have all that hit me two weeks before I I flipped like into survival mode. And I'm like, just, I've got all this debt. You know, I got 300 in student loan. I got like 200 on the house. I have like half a million. I got a kid. And I don't know if you remember me telling Joe this or not, but uh, I started mowing yards again. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, wow. I remember, remember knocking on the lady's door. I used to, I used to have a, a huge lawn service college and high school. And I asked the lady, I said, Hey, you know, you remember me? Oh yeah. I remember you. I used to mow your yard. And I said, well, do you need anybody to mow your yard this summer? And she said, son, aren't you supposed to be a doctor by now? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yes, ma'am. I am. But, uh, times are tough. So, uh, I, I think it, it, it may be different if I wouldn't have been, put in that situation. I was just scared to death. I wanted to do everything I could to get out of debt. Okay. 
So that, that was just my personal experience. But now if it was in a different context and I, I was smart enough and I knew people, you know, like you and other people that I could learn from and look at the map and I was disciplined enough to, you know, pay down debt, but also, you know, do something with syndication, that would probably be a different story. Okay. Got it. That was a great answer. Great answer to a great question. Now here's the question. Here's the next question. Um, I know how passionate you are about helping others. And I know that if there's a doctor or dentist on right now and they experienced all the debt that was coming or they're in school today, uh, going to school as an attorney or a doctor and, and it's this, you know, postgraduate degree that's going to eventually pay them pretty dang well. Uh, my question to you is what should their path be? Like, if you could bundle all of these post grad degrees into one place with one, let's just say they all make 250,000 mm-hmm. after they graduate, what's their plan? They're, they're a half a million in debt. Somewhere in between your 300K and this million, they're a half a million in debt. They're making 250K. They're fairly young, 25, 30 years old. What's their plan? What are they going to do? Um, I'm kind of like Dave Ramsey. I always ask a question okay. based on if I were in their shoes, what would I do? And I would do the same thing that I did. I did both. I paid down debt quickly, but I also invested at the same time. Now I invested. The only thing that I knew back then was index funds and my, our retirement account that we set up for our practice. But now that I know what I know now that I didn't 15 years ago, I would do both. I would, uh, uh, you know, attack the, you know, if you have, especially credit card debt, you know, I didn't have any of that, but if you have any really high interest loans, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, attack those first before doing anything. But once you get those out of the way and you just have student loans and a mortgage, you know, I would, you know, figure out, you know, what, what you want to pay extra on the student loans and then take that extra money and start looking at ways to, to start building income, you know, this passive income that can then turn around and pay extra on your debt. And as you know, a lot of, a lot of the, that money that you get from the syndications, you're not paying any tax on it. And that's just another thing, especially for the high income earner that, that we're just killed with taxes and you don't really realize that till you get out. So um, that's, that's what, that's where I would start, but I really want to give them the information because I I think everybody's different. I don't think there's a, you know, one thing to do, but Hey, look guys, here's, here's a tough, couple different options. And you can kind of pick and choose kind of like when I talk to patients, you know, they come in and go, Hey, I I need an implant or whatever. And, and their mouth is a wreck. I'm like, look, because I like to teach about analogies. You know, I know Jesus was the best teacher ever and he always taught an analogy. So I'm going to do what he did. So yeah, uh, I just say, look, if you go to a car lot, you can buy a hundred thousand dollar vehicle or you can buy a thousand dollar vehicle. They'll both take you to the grocery store. Just depends on what you want to spend. So, and there's all these options in between, you know, so give them the options, give them the education. Uh, but I do think starting early, earlier than later, getting it going and getting in that habit of saving the money when you, when you can get into these syndications, uh, that's, that's the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah, starting earlier, better than later, 
is the one piece of advice I wish I would have followed through with. My stepdad, my, my, the guy I grew up with, I call him dad, um, was or is a real estate investor and an entrepreneur, and he makes good money here, and he deploys it fast. And I actually started by working with him. I started knocking, uh, I started shoveling, I started watering plants, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, out in the sun. And he kept telling me, you got to save 10%, you got to invest. And, and it was, <laughs> I had years of this. I was like starting when I was eight years old, making money with him, even when it was a buck an hour. And he was telling me this stuff and he'd never listened to him until after I graduated college. And if I would have started when I was, you know, eight, it would have been a whole different ball game. Now you said that you kind of got started paying off your debt around 15 years ago. I'm, I'm going to place that somewhere around 2005. Is that when you graduated college from your post-grad? Yes. Okay. So really what I want to extract from you is I want to understand what it was looking like for you in 2005, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. Because of the crash, I want to know what you were investing in. I want to know what you were concerned about in 2005, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. I would say five and six, I wasn't doing anything, maybe 50 bucks a month. I mean, literally, but I just, I wanted to get in the habit of, of saving something every month. And then once my practice started growing, I mean, I, I have a perfect story for you. I'll never forget this. There's a place called the kitchen restaurant here. It's just a soul food. Just you would appreciate it, you know, going to jazz fest and, you know, just a hole in the wall, good old food. My dad eats there six days a week. He has a hardware store. So uh, I remember going, would go there every Tuesday. Uh, my best friend from high school and then another guy that's a financial planner. Okay. Every Tuesday we would go. And then I remember, I really didn't follow much, but when I started about 2007, 2008, we had a, that's when we incorporated a a, a 401k type plan for my practice. It was just nothing but Vanguard index funds. That's the only thing that I knew about. Okay. So I just started maxing it out every year. So I remember one day um, being in the kitchen, that restaurant, and my friend and I were sitting there and then the financial guy walks in. He was just like white as a ghost we were just like, dude, what's wrong with you? And that was like the day that like it completely bottomed out. And they were like talking about it, talking about it. I was like, what are y'all talking about? What crash? I, I didn't know what was going on. I mean, but I guess I got lucky because that's kind of when I really started investing in the market when it was like, I don't even know what it was, rock bottom, you know, back then, whatever, March 09 or something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> so that that's what I just started doing. And then any money... Over that, you know, I'd have 529 plans for my kids. They were also in Vanguard index funds and then had a health savings account, which we don't, uh, we can't contribute that anymore because we got rid of health insurance. We do MediShare now, but, um, with, with that, and then any, any extra money we had, well, we put it in just post-tax index funds. So I really, I, I think I, we really lucked up because we really started investing at the bottom I want to ask you real fast about the post-tax index funds. And the truth is it's because I don't understand it very well. It's not something that I've heard of. 
And I think it's okay to admit that, but tell me a little bit about what a post-tax index fund fund is. I'm curious if it's something that you can never, you'd never have to, it's like a Roth or something where you don't have to pay taxes when you pull the money out or just let me know. I'm, I'm really curious about that. It's, it's just nothing but a, uh, I may have stated it wrong. It's just a post-tax account. Just basically after I would max out our retirement plans and everything, any money that I had left over, which now I, I put it in an account and invest in syndications with. Okay. But, but what now, if I, uh, back then, after I maxed out all the plans and everything, any extra money every month, I would put it in a, a Vanguard index fund that was not in a retirement account. So it was just basically you would take money, you would already pay your income taxes on it post-tax and you just put it, it's just a mutual fund. So literally I can go and take money out of it today if I wanted to. And the only thing that I would pay when I cashed out some of that money is just capital gains taxes. Okay. You would pay capital gains. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. So, um, where, where I want to go is I'm going to get into the final five here in a moment, but the main thing that I want to get from you now is for you to just kind of share with the listener who might be your perfect the perfect person to work with you or to listen to you or to study from you. Um, you, you just share with them a couple tips or tricks to what you're doing, inspire them to be able to do the same thing, and then we'll, we'll take a quick break and get into the final five. Sure. I'm all about talking about and, and really focusing on getting people getting the, the right mindset of thinking about their income streams now. And if you're a doctor, a dentist, a chiropractor, an attorney, nine times out of 10, you have one income stream, right? Just, you have to go to work. And what does that stand for? Like just over broke or something like that. I remember Grant Cardone talking about that. So if you're not at your job, no money comes in, right? So that's what really woke me up, you know, with, with that and really start focusing on and and learning about different things, passive income, um, syndications, because at, at first I thought I wanted to be maybe an active real estate uh, investor. Actually, I went and, and looked at some single family homes, got some people to, to go with me that, that do the investing all the time. And I just said, you know what? I just, I don't have the time to be a good husband, good father, uh, have a practice, you know, run a practice and still manage all these tenants. And then that's what got me to looking at other avenues, which was, which was passive investing. There's all ki- types of different, you know, ones out there. But, you know, the key is, again, with anything in life, connecting with somebody that you can build trust with, that that can walk you through it, that can teach it to you, that you understand it. You know, I I never recommend that don't invest in anything you don't understand and you can't explain to a fifth grader. Uh, and, And whether or not you want to do it yourself, that's fine, but you still should understand what you're getting into. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of the financial planners and I'm friends with a lot of them. They, they try to make it so complicated and confusing, but people still invest with them, you know? And, and I just, I, I just don't recommend that. So I just, I recommend that you, that you get your education. And, and that's why I started my site. It's all about education. It's about my successes, but it's also about my failures too. And I had a really big 
failure about three years ago when I first got into this. So, and I put that on the site as well. So I'm, I'm pretty open about it. Awesome. I love that. All right. I'm excited to get into the final five with you. Uh, thrilled. We are going to take a brief break and we'll be right back with the final five. Hey, it's Adam Adams, and I want to take a second to say thank you to one of our sponsors. Now, if you've tried to earn a full-time income flipping houses the traditional way, you know it takes a lot of money. Putting 10 or 20% down on each house adds up fast. Plus, you could lose hundreds of thousands of dollars if you get caught holding a few houses when the market crashes. Well, what if I told you that there was a better way to flip houses? A way that didn't require much upfront capital, a way that made it easy to find more fix and flip deals than you could even handle, and best of all, a way that insulated you from losing all your money in a market crash. Well, I'm here to tell you that there is a simple way to quit your job and flip houses full-time. It's called Fix and List Deal. Eric Young used the strategy to quit his job, double his income, and become a self-made house flipper in less than a year. Eric's a real estate investor located in Denver, and he's perfected the Fix and List strategy over the last four years, and he's got a free giveaway. Learn how you can implement the Fix and List strategy by watching Eric's free video lessons at fixandlistsecrets.com. It may just change your life. And we're back with Dr. Jeff Anzalone. What's the most creative deal you've ever done? Most creative deal I've ever done as, as somebody that doesn't, isn't an active investor, I would, I would have to say it was my going in and doing my first passive investment. It was a, a syndication deal uh, over in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I was able to go look at it and was just really excited that I could actually go put my hand on something. You know, you can't go put your hand on a stock or a mutual fund. So I could actually go put my hand on something physical. And then after about two months after it closed, I started getting a monthly check. So that was pretty cool. That's super, super awesome. So let me ask you this, just on on that, because there's probably some people listening that are really toying with being passively invested in, in a syndication. They're like, really, they have the money, they want to do it, they think they want to do it, but they're just a little apprehensive. They're, they're not sure if they're ready. So um, because that was your creative deal, and I love that story that you were able to just finally just go and put your hand on something you invested in, mm-hmm. unlike some of the stocks or mutual funds that you were in before. But um, speak for to that person who, who, who definitely has 50, 100, 200 grand easy sitting in the bank. They're, they're, they're ready. They're available. They want to invest into something, but it's a little nerve wracking. What should they do or what did you do to overcome that? I listen to podcasts such as yours. Uh, actually, I heard you first on a different podcast. Uh, thought thought that your story and your what you were doing was super uh, interesting. So then I subscribed to yours and then I've since subscribed to several others. I've educated myself, read books, uh, connected with people. I've networked, gone to network events and but you know what? You can do that all day long. You know, as you know, the analysis by paralysis. I talked to doctors on a weekly basis, actually two of them yesterday, that asked me all these questions. And I just point blank. I was like, dude, you've, you've interviewed all these people. You've, done, you've been doing this for a year and a half. I said, you're not going to do anything, are you? He's like, what do you mean? I was like, you're not. Until you get off the sideline, you're not going to do anything. I said, and that's fine. But I guess there's so much information out there. It's almost like there's never, you never know when there's a perfect time. You just, 
once you find somebody, you know what you're doing, you find a deal, you find somebody you can trust that, that has a deal, you're knowledgeable about it, go for it. And you'll, Thank you. you'll, you'll be glad you did. Thank you. What's a book you recommend? Uh, actually, I'm, it's on my desk right here. I'm rereading uh, Gary Keller's The One Thing. I, awesome. I read, it, read it back in 2013. Honestly, back then I did not know um, what my one thing was. But now that I'm rereading it and, and look at what I've highlighted, I'm, I'm laser focused on that now. And, you know, they give a little story about, you know, knocking down dominoes in there. But it's amazing when you focus on knocking down that first domino, how everything else, all the others start falling into place. When you, okay, I got to get this done. Boom. You knock that two and a half inch domino down. All the other ones start going as well. Love that. And I know you started, I, I, I don't know. I thought I heard you say that you got started investing in syndications about three years ago. Yes. Where were you five years ago? Five years ago, um, I, that's when I hit some pretty big financial goals that I had set. And then that's when I started realizing, as I discussed earlier, that I only just had one source of income. You know, and but the thing is, if something happened to me, then we would be in a bad place, you know, and, mm. and probably for a lot of people. Yes, I have disability insurance, but but I was also looking at it from a different angle as well, because since I only had one source of income coming in at that time, five years ago, um, I, I wouldn't be able to take extended vacations with my family. You know, I love going out to your neck of the woods, you know, Colorado for the summer, because here in the summer, you know, I remember playing football in high school, you know, it's a hundred degrees heat index. And the first time I went to Beaver Creek with my wife a few years ago in August, I got off the plane. I'm like, God almighty, I'm in heaven, you know, 70 degrees and, uh, you know, no humidity. I'm like, I mean, it's unbelievable, but, uh, and, and my kids now are teenagers. So I know I, I have a limited time. We have a limited time with them here. So once they're gone, you know, as you know, they're not coming back. So I really wanted to acquire, uh, you know, or, or start acquiring more income streams so I can leave for extended periods of time. Love it. Love it. All right. So where will you be five years from today? I can tell you where I'd like to be, but um, I, I mean, heaven knows where I'll be, but, but where I would like to be, on my website, I came up with uh, a little group called the Passive Investors Club. And the way that I came up with it was people just started calling me and, and emailing me, asking me questions from my blog. So I said, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, just start something that's, you know, just for people that are actually interested in picking up the phone or emailing me. So there I just talked to them about their financial goals talk to them about syndications. And then if they're interested in investing in syndications, I have some people that I invest with that I trust that I can send them their way. So five years from now, I, I'm, that's, that's what I'm really focused on. You know, that's kind of my one thing. Everything that I'm doing now is focused on building that group. So where it goes, you know, if we're going to have an event or meetups or, maybe a core group mastermind, you know, something, but that's, that's where I'd like to, to focus my time and energy. 
That sounds so cool. I'm, I want to talk to you, like, as soon as we get done with this interview, I want to have uh, a couple of minutes just on the Passive Investors Club. I think that's really cool what you're doing. Okay. Um, besides the Passive Investor Club, how do you give back? Uh, as, as a um, professional in the healthcare, healthcare professional, whenever people come in um, and, you know, they're working hard, they're, they're married, they got kids, they need the work, but I mean, they're, they just, they just don't have the money, but I mean, you can just tell they're hardworking people uh, have no, no problems with, with donating my dental services to them. Um, I also give back, you know, time with the youth here, um, sponsor a lot of teams, uh, do um, events with the church, give back to the church is probably where the most of our money um, that, that we give go to the tithing. Awesome. Now the last question for you is how the listeners find you, get a hold of you. And um, if it's, especially if it's not debt free doctor, or that's just DR for those of you who are driving debtfreedr.com. And for those of you who are not driving, it, it won't matter. Just scroll right down. You can click the link in the show notes and go straight to debtfreedoctor.com. Um, but yeah, Jeff, how do people find you? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, that's, that's the best way, the uh, okay. debtfreedr.com. Or they can email me, jeff at debtfreedr.com. Awesome. I'm grateful for the time that you spent with us going through your history, through graduating dental in 2005, what was going on in 789 uh, for you and what's been happening the last three years, your, the passion that you have for passive investing, the passion that you have to help other doctors and dentists to be able to get out of that 300, 400, 500, or even a million dollars in student loan debt in a relatively short amount of time. It meant a lot to me that you spent that, all of that information, um, giving some tips, tricks, and strategies to other people that might be going through the same thing. I encourage the listener to run over to debtfreedr.com. Jeff, I'm going to let you go, but until next time, my friend, think outside the box. It's an honor to have you as a listener, and I just wanted to say thank you. I also wanted to thank our sponsor, FixingLessSecrets.com, where they have that free video lesson. In that video lesson, you're going to learn never to struggle again to find or fund your next fix and flip deal. You're going to learn how to flip houses without taking out a mortgage. So now you can flip houses as your full-time income and not lose any money in a market crash. There's a simple way to flip houses full-time, and that is to visit FixingListSecrets.com.